The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. What beautiful children. Thanks for bringing them. There are evidence that is goodness is running after us. It's a beautiful thing. This morning I'm going to, <laughs> we enter into the approach to the cross. This is really where this goes. The next few weeks, I, Mark has plans to do something to take our, our focus off that until Easter, but uh, this morning I'm going to bring up some pretty tough stuff, and I might get crazy as usual and weep, weep a lot, you know, because it, here's the, the thing. We have people dying in these different countries, Ukraine, Turkey, Syria, and the question in my heart is, do you know your sins are forgiven? Do you know there's an eternity stretching out far beyond this tiny planet? Do you know there is a way to heaven that Jesus has made for us and he, he led the way? He is worthy of all our praise, all our adoration. Not only that, he purchased our freedom by taking all of our junk on himself and he loves you in spite of what you've done. Maybe there's just one person here this morning that doesn't know of the love of Christ, but he loves you with an everlasting love and he will never leave you or forsake you and he's tapping on your shoulder right now. All you have to do to receive him is admit you're a sinner. Just admit you've got your problems and you need help. Believe Christ is the only savior and he is. And finally, choose to follow him. Choose to follow him. This morning, we're looking at disciples who have chosen to follow him. And they are some of the most um, silly men, very frankly. The, the leadership of the early church was just somewhat ridiculous because they were just beginners, really. And this man, the man God, comes before them. You know, it, it, there's, there were all these sayings uh, back in the day or in songs, only the good die young. Well, sometimes that, that's a powerful notion because many of our very best kind of die young or, or before the time where we uh, might have wanted them to be alive. Some live through all kinds of things. You know, um, I, I might mention some uh, what we call American heroes. They're all just humans with all kinds of frailty. George Washington, in the French and Indian War, bullets were flying at him with such rapidity. It was like he was in a rainstorm. He's up on a big horse. He's the commanding officer. I think he was a colonel in the militia at that time. And he was just unmovable. One of the bravest human beings you've ever heard of. One of the most organized, one of the most, a lot of things. And also filled with self-doubt. Very, very human worrying about where the next dollar would come from. But he believed in the God that could protect him. He believed that if he died, he would go to heaven. He believed that not one bullet would get to him unless the name on it in some prophetic way was for him. It was his moment to go. And that made him as brave as one can imagine. In a time where people are dying and where notable things go on and there's strangeness all over the land, just trusting 
in the sovereignty and goodness of God. His goodness is running after you. It's running after you no matter, no matter what this life brings. George Washington, shot at many, many times, but not killed. Abraham Lincoln, a great man, a servant, a, a kind of a, a, a there's, there are arguments and debates over this, but I hold him as a Christian. He was a Bible believer. His speeches are laced with the truth of Scripture and his personality and his love and his uh, desire to see the slaves set free and to see America drawn back together even if it cost war. It's a strange function. I'm not sure what to make of it. But he was such a brave man and he was shot at as well. He was murdered and so were a number of people that followed him in order to try to set some free in, this, in that era benighted land. Then there's Teddy Roosevelt, one of the greatest men you're ever going to know out of a... If you, <laughs> there, there are uh, uh, recent biographies of him, and I'm blanking on the author, but they're just rich. You can, you can read for hours. It's probably William Manchester or something, but you'll read his life for hours, and it stimulates you and stirs you to be different, to be better. He was shot once. Only the good die young. Only those like this, not only the good die young, but in this instance, are very best. Look at Mount Rushmore. You'll see these faces. He was hit while he was giving a speech with a bullet that hit some book or something or his speech in his pocket. And it protected him. And of course, he went immediately to the hospital. No. <laughs> this guy is amazing. He... He stepped back up, having kind of been knocked down for the moment, stands up, this is the kind of virtue that resided in this man, and began his speech and continued it and kept it going, even though he almost died of the bullet wound at some point. Then there's Martin Luther King Jr., who risked everything, who spent his time in jail. Dog, you know the story, just a hero beyond uh, contemplation for people like me that are loaded with fears and insecurities. But this man also was shot and killed. All of them were shot at. All of these greats, three were shot, two were shot to death. All were cursed, definitely hated, tormented servants. All were Christian slaves to the vision of the kingdom of God, in a sense, coming to America and to the world. One man's name rises above all of them, and he had a similar biography. His name is Jesus Christ, persecuted, tortured, murdered, risen. Now, I'm going to read you some passages, and the point I'm going to make at the end of this, and this probably won't be too long a sermon, is that Jesus repeats things. You know, I'll always make this point. It's been part of my coaching ethos. It's been part of my life. It's piano. It's music. It's everything. A, a repetition is the mother of knowledge. And memorization leads to something that's mighty in the sight of God. Meditation. And when we meditate on God's word, we're changed. We begin to be changed from the inside out. The reality that we see here becomes much larger and immense and spiritual in its nature. Here in Mark 8.31, we begin. We'll be in 10, but I want to, you to see what a great teacher does, not my, me, what Jesus does. And he began to teach them, 
this prophet, priest, and king, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Now, as Mark's taught through this book and others of us have fumbled along through it, we see that this is happening. He is on a journey to his own destruction for your sake and for your salvation. That's what love is. Then we see this in chapter 9. And they went from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, this will sound very familiar, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. Now, in this sense, in the first part, he gave a simple sentence. In the second, just a chapter later, just a short period of time later, he says, they will, he is going to be delivered into the hands of men. Not only is he going to be destroyed, but he's going to be betrayed by his own people. Judas being the uh, originator of this craziness. But they did not understand the saying. And they were afraid to ask him. I am going to suspect they were afraid to ask him because in some direct sense it was going to involve them. This was a thing that would register fear in their heart and mind beyond our ability to comprehend unless I I would say unless we've been in battle. And some of you guys have and I know that and ladies have. And they came to Capernaum and when he was in the house he asked them what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest I'll just hold it there for a second. I'm going to repeat this, but who was the greatest among them? I mean, is that absurd? here's, Here's where I'm going with this, and this will be repeated. Jesus' followers, even these who are this close to him, and only for a short period of time, are ridiculous. They're silly. Anyone noting this kind of personality and and thinking would be somewhat dismayed that he's going to his death, that he's trying to prepare a people to care for and shepherd the whole world, to start a movement, if you will. And these guys are often, always considering feathering their own nests. What's in it for me? Who was the greatest? And he sat down. And he called the twelve, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Now, he repeats this over and over again, repetition being the mother of knowledge. We want to establish truth. I'll tell you, there's almost no truth more important than this. You know, people uh, think of slavery or servitude as an entirely negative thing. It's not. In this particular spiritual context, it's everything. It's everything. The best people you know are at the end of the day servants and slaves to goodness and slaves to righteousness and slaves to doing the thing. The other day, my computer wasn't working. The printer was going haywire. It was nuts. I didn't know what was going on. I spent three hours on the phone with HP. Person after person, (laughs) somebody laughed out there. And and I know what you're thinking. You're going, only three hours? Yeah. They couldn't fix it, no no matter what I said, no matter what we did. But they were uniformly gentle, 
thoughtful. I don't go crazy on the phone. I don't do that. But I wasn't happy. And the point is, you know who makes the best, allegedly, uh, home computer in, in the world? HP. And you know what I saw? A discipleship had happened that changed these people where they did not respond in a defensive or an angry way. They served. Is it any surprise, knowing what the scriptures say, that that's a successful company? Places that employ spiritual principles, and this is why Jesus repeats this, change the world. A kingdom is formed. It may be a banking kingdom. It may be a business kingdom. But what is the nature and character of the thing? And if it is good and wholesome and excellent at service, they will succeed. If anyone, he sat down with the 12, he said, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. I'm a coach. The kids all think they're better than everyone else. Not really. They're filled with insecurities. But they all want to be that guy, that person. Do you know that God has a plan for your life that may not involve you being president of the United States or the emperor of some small country somewhere or, or run and play quarterback with whichever team you're backing tonight? Is it possible that that, that is what you are uh, that is not what you are made and created for? But I can tell you this: you were made and created in Christ to be a servant. To be lowly of heart and a reflection of your master. And that, my friends, is what true beauty is. And they were on the road, Mark 10. Now, we've already had two repetitions of what's going to happen to the Lord Jesus. He wants it established when it happens so they won't just all run and hide. That there is a plan and effect even as they're going to be temporarily, emotionally, and physically destroyed. And they were on the road, Mark 10 going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. I'm going to stop with this piece, not the sermon, but Jesus is walking ahead of that. Hold, hold that thought. Why, why isn't he with his, with his people, with his troops? Because he's setting the stage. He's servant of all. And when you're about to die and you step out in front or, or high up on a horse like Washington or, or whatever it is, that's what's called true Nobility. That's what's called uh, leading from the front. I think that it's the, rage, uh, the, the, the um, rangers, army rangers that have coined the phrase, rangers lead the way, and they yell that out. That's actually in the sense they're talking about it, a picture of sacrifice and a willingness to die. They lead the way because those are the people that are going to be hurt first. In other words, their servants of all. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. They're amazed he's going. They're amazed based on what he said that he's going, he's going forward. And he is imperturbable. Nothing will stop him. Why? Because he was coming in a sense. His goodness was running after you. There's no one like him, not Lincoln. Not Dr. King, not any of them. He is unique and precious and heroic and a leader and a servant and a son 
of Almighty God. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. They were scared. And taking the 12 again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him. Again, repetition, the mother of knowledge. This is a good teaching function, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes. Delivered over to the leaders, spiritual leaders of Israel, and that's a problem? And he should fear, and they should be afraid? You betcha. Do you think sometimes the reason Christ is not exalted in our world is because we have spiritual leaders that are utterly inconsistent and crazy? We will all be somewhat inconsistent and crazy, no question about it. I confess my sins every day, but there's something else out here that needs to die a natural and quick death, and that is utter inconsistency. It is not taking a fearless moral inventory of yourself to look for servanthood and Jesus' life being formed in you. The love of God expelling light and wonder to those around you. And taking the 12 again, he began to tell them, this is boring, sir. With all due respect, Jesus, here we go. See, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death. You've told us that. Yes, but I'm establishing truth in your life. And let me jump to the end of this. Are you reading the scriptures? Do you know the story? Can you share it with someone else? I'm not asking you for giving every moment of your life to it, but are you disciplined in your pursuit of God's holy truth? The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. Every time he tells this story, it gets more rich and sorrowful in terms of what is going to happen to the one who is called the Lamb of God. As Jesus walks the path of servant of all, so should his disciples. I believe what I said. Army rangers lead the way, but Jesus Christ also led the way. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, this is a great moment, came up to him and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us, contrast, contrast this, whatever we ask of you. Now, is it a good idea to tell God Almighty what he should do with you? Is this someone that's in touch with reality? We have to ask ourselves, are these guys crazy? What are they thinking? This is the prophet of God to them at a minimum. We know he was more than that. I love the gentility of his answer because it would seem that in a normal environment, they would be reproofed so harshly they would never want to come near him again. James and John, sons of Zebedee. Maybe this is why they did it. Uh, Zebedee um, was a fishing family and it is possible they had a lot of money. So when you have a lot of money, you're somebody, aren't you? That makes you somebody, aren't you? Maybe it makes you like Midas from last week where you're killing your kid and you're, you're unable to eat. Riches never will make us happy, but service will always do something good. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. In Matthew, it's their mother making this presentation. 
I don't know why there is a disparity in the talks. I don't want to get into a discussion of that. What I want you to know is they may have been sent by their mom and pushed into it. She may have gone at their bequest. But the point is there was no humility manifested here. Nothing but serious craziness. This seems to be an incredibly disappointing moment if we expected humility from Jesus' disciples, or good judgment for that matter. This is a sad cry that every employer, leader, human has to face from his or her her people as we cast about for ways to improve our place and provision in the human batting order. Put a star on my shoulder. (laughs) I've had that stuff. Men and women come in, they want position because they're low self-esteem. Tell the truth, something's wrong in their heart. You, you don't have to put your forward if, yourself forward if Jesus is there. He'll put you where you need to be at the time. You know, you know I was, had no concept, no desire to be a pastor of a church. Never entered my mind. But he wanted to use the gifts that he gave me for his purpose. And so he shaped the circumstances of my life to force my hand, to push me in a direction. You can trust him with the yeses and nos from employers, from parents, from whatever it is. You can trust him to lead and guide you unless you shake your tiny fist in his face and say, I will not serve, I will not follow. That's a mistake. Put a star on my shoulder. The corner office is mine. I'm not getting enough playing time. That's a big one. It goes on ad infinitum. It is the human condition rearing its ugly head during the King of Kings. Long walk off the plank into an ocean of betrayal and sorrow. These two disciples are not asking to serve as as Jesus has noted over and over for them. They're asking to rule. Small wonder that the Son of Man has to repeat his litany on the virtue of being the slave at all. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? In essence, that cup is referring to, if if it's a reflection of the Old Testament concept, the cup of God's wrath against sin. Are you able to drink that cup of the torment, the crucifixion, The the torture, the beating, are you able to drink that cup? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized, the baptism of death, suffering, unholy treatment, awfulness in every moment? And they said to him, we are able. They don't even know, really, They do not have a deep understanding of what's going on as the Son of Man who sees everything does. That's why we call him Jesus. That's why we call him friend, because he leads the way. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. What's interesting is James and and John. James was um, killed by Herod Agrippa, executed him for no good reason. We never see people wrongly accused in this culture, do we? Well, he was accused of being a Christian, and that was enough to kill him. And then his brother John, as best we know, is the John that ends up on the Isle of Patmos as a prisoner. And yet with every breath to his end, he gave glory 
to his King of kings and Lord of lords and followed him and served us by developing numerous of the letters and finally revelation in the New Testament. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, for it is for those to whom it has been prepared. It's not for you. There's another plan in effect. There's no sense in the words of anger or saying you're being ridiculous like I would. I am immature when I look at the way he handles that. He is so gentle, wise, and prudent and tells them the truth. It doesn't seem to have an edge in it. These are the words of the prophet, priest, and king of the universe. There is a secret plan in effect and each of us has a mysterious role in the king's vision. But it is clouded for a moment in your life and in mine until the Son of God reveals it. Three times he describes what will happen to him in Jerusalem. Each statement grows with new fear-laden descriptions for the servant of the Lord, the slave of all. Each description breathes increasing fearful portent and fear-provoking prophecy. The brief statement in Mark 9, 8, the more complete statement in 9, an even more scary and dark statement in 10. 9 gives the sense and sorrow of betrayal, 10 piles on the laughing humiliation, the mocking, the brutal torture, and yet Jesus does not back up a single step. He had something important to do, and he's willing to take everything for this culture, for Ukraine, for Turkey, for Syria. Where will we go when we die? This is the whole issue of all these things. If an atomic bomb falls here today, where will you be at the end of the day? I hope there aren't too many children in here. Where will you be? Is there an eternity coming? Is death the end or is there more? And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection. Write that down. His was a walk filled with the, the torment of, of horrifying imagination. The courage of one knowing that next comes the worst life can offer. And yet he had a fearful, fearless, and resolute walk forward into the place of offering the ransom of his body for the souls of men. Hallelujah. What a savior. Jesus leads the way. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. They're holier than James and John. James and John are rich kids. They're being ridiculous. They're spoiled breath. Not like us. Oh, no, not like us. Why indignant? Because they were desperate to rule and reign. Why the action? Could it be that they too wanted the power positions to be rulers and potentates? Can we not hear Jesus sigh? How long must I be with you? How long must I bear with you? And Jesus called them to him and said to them, repetition, the mother of knowledge, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. And I told you this, I think, a week or two ago. If you look at the lives of the Roman emperors and the Greek emperors, they're nightmares. These people are demonically inspired. This is what these people were dealing with in terms of, they had a lot to unlearn when they came to Jesus. And their great ones, in quotes, I put them in quotes, exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Now we're getting serious. The coach is talking. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. 
And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, for many. And to this moment, he still gives us his light and his life. If you don't know him, I have a simple proposition for you. I use this all the time. Why not? Ask him if he's real. He's a big God. Ask him if he exists, if you're not a believer in Jesus. Ask him to show his hand to you in your life. And write it down somewhere. So repetition being the mother of knowledge. You remember that you asked the question. He has incontrovertibly shown me his hand. Do you know him? He's walking up ahead of you towards a cross. There is no one braver and bolder than this man soon to be tortured and crucified. He is worthy. Jesus leads the way. Let's bow our heads to pray. Lord, we admit we're sinners. We fall short of your glory. And we thank you that you show us the shallow nature of these disciples. And yet, Lord, after the resurrection, you changed the world through them. And to this moment, you use people like me to tell people your story. Lord, I thank you. Bless this thy people. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe Christ is the only Savior. C, choose to follow him. If you put together those three things, you then become a servant of the Lord for time and eternity.